Hey everybody, this this episode is going to talk a little bit about inspecting in accordance with AWSG 1.1. We've already, you know, I've already talked a little bit about the WPSs, WPQRs, qualifying procedures. But in our recent class, we started looking at Clause 5 and Clause 6, which is fabrication and inspection. Uh, if I get called out to go do an inspection in accordance with D1.1, it's more than just looking at Table 6.1 and seeing what the acceptance criteria is and going out there and look at the, looking at the welds. Uh, you know, for, for me to certify or verify that all the welding has been done in accordance with AWSD 1.1, there's quite a few other things in there that I need to look at. Okay, now obviously each contract may be different or each job that you have may be different. You may be specifically tasked with only doing one or two specific things. But in general, if you're, if you're tasked with verifying that the welding meets the requirements of AWSD 1.1, you've got to understand that's a much bigger task than just looking at the welds and making sure that they comply with AWSD 1.1. Two completely different concepts. You know, as far as complying with D1.1, you know, there are there are statements within the entire, in, in every clause in the code book about the way things are supposed to be. You know, if they, if they weren't there, they, there wouldn't be no need in those clauses. And some of those things are the responsibility of the inspector, and sometimes that term inspector uh, is used interchangeably as the contractor's inspector or as the owner's representative. But regardless, regardless your position, when you have to put your name on the line saying that something meets the requirements of something, then you need to realize what those requirements are, where to find them, and how to verify them. We talked a little bit last night about some of the requirements of Clause 5. Uh, you know, we read through part of it and talked about them, or I talked about them. Hopefully, uh, you know, between now and the next class, you'll go ahead and read through the rest of it and kind of kind of see that, that as far as fabrication requirements going go, they uh, there are things that might need to be inspected. The amount of inspection that we do is often dictated by the contract, but then again, realize what you're signing for. If I only go out and look at the final welds on on a project and I haven't seen anything else, then I want to make sure that it clearly states that I am only, you know, that my record only supports the visual inspection of the completed welds in the as-welded condition on, you know, whatever parts or components or areas of the building that may be. Be very, you know, be very cautious about just throwing your name out there and saying, oh, I'll sign for that. It, it meets D1.1 because I all the welds look good. That's, uh, that's not exactly how it's supposed to go, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it's not going to be a question on the CWI exam or anything like that, but that overall concept of, of knowing what the requirements are, observing the, you know, the actual conditions and reporting them, that's, that's kind of what it boils down to. But anyway, Clause 5 is, is pretty lengthy. It's got some good information. If you've got experience as a fabricator or as a welder, there's some things there that that uh, you know may remind you of some things you've heard in the past, things you should do, things you shouldn't do. Uh, so it can be pretty informative, and it can be be pretty easy to pick on if you got pick up on if you've got some fabrication experience. Remember that uh, you know as a contractor's inspector working for a company, you know to me your goal would be to support the quality program of that company, and hopefully that quality program is to 
comply with AWSD 1.1 if that's the type of product that you're manufacturing, building, or erecting. You've also got to understand this, though. Sometimes as the welding inspector, you're in a position to, to do things that may not make the rest of the company happy. Uh, I've been in situations where I didn't sign documents because they didn't comply. I've been in situations where I had to, you know, to report things that, that would not make people happy in production. But that is just the way that it is. Uh, you know, sometimes you may have to make a choice between the value of your signature and the value of your job. Uh, you know, it'd be, be nice to say it's all puppies and rainbows and, and we're all here to support our quality statement, mission statement that's on the, on the board. But in reality, in my experience, you know, in my experience, it's just a small drop in the bucket. But in my limited experience, not every company is concerned with the real quality. Uh, sometimes production schedules can be pretty overwhelming for people and they'll do what they've got to do to get them done, you know, get everything done on time. But being aware of the requirements and being vigilant and being active in a, in a shop if you're a contractor's inspector or fabricator's inspector can help make that whole process a little bit smoother. Yeah, there's, there's in the, in the position as a contractor's inspector, I've got the opportunity to help correct things while they're being done wrong, as opposed to wait until I see them done wrong and then I say something about them or stop, you know, stop the work. As a as an owner's inspector, I'm very limited what I could do in a shop. If I see somebody doing something wrong, I should be extremely cautious about telling them, "Oh, you've got to stop that. That's not wrong, or that's not right." Uh, I may document it. I may let someone else know. But I, I've got to be careful about my interaction with the employees that are doing the work. Whereas if I'm the contractor's inspector, I've got some pretty good flexibility normally, you know, depending on the policies and procedures that are in place at the company that I work at. Uh, you know, as, as you go forward and you learn how to, you know, learn how to do inspection a little bit better, you'll have your own, you know, own ideas on what's important. You'll have your own, you know, methods of doing things. What I've taught you here is by no means the only way to do it. My experiences, like I said, are extremely limited compared to, you know, the welding industry as a whole. You know, for those of you that work in a shop in which there's no documented quality control system in place, and when I say in place, I don't mean they don't have one. What I mean is in place where the employees are trained to use it and know what they should and should not do and how they're supposed to do it. Uh, the majority of the companies that I've been around, you know, in Southwest Virginia and Northeast Tennessee that do any type of manufacturing or fabrication, or manufacturing mainly fabricators, not quite so much. Some of them just do what they do. But some of the manufacturing companies, uh, they'll have lots of certificates in the front office about this ISO certification and that ISO certification. But then when they begin to talk about welding, you realize that they have no subject matter expertise in that area nor do they control the process. If you're in a position in a company where welding is part of your manufacturing process and there are no documented procedures on how things are supposed to be done, you're going to be in a difficult spot. That's just all there is to it. Uh, you know, if, if you're expected to sign or verify things, you know, you can't sign or verify anything that you don't have a reference to the written requirements. And 
<clears throat> not having a documented quality system in place can, can make that a little bit hard, in my opinion. But as you go through Clause 5, kind of kind of take a look for some things that you think are interesting. Because what I'd like to do at the next class is have, is have you just present those things as something you were trying to teach somebody else. Let's just say you got some guy on the shop floor, and <clears throat> he didn't. Uh, follow the requirement for the maximum spacing on backing in a piece of HSS tubing. Not only could you read the code requirements to him, hopefully you could maybe explain some of the concepts as to why you think that's in the code. You know, I'm not going to tell you what those are. Hopefully you know about them. We've talked about them briefly. Not with a specific context of backing, but some general, you know, general properties of materials. Having that ability to share that information with people that are on the shop floor uh, can help, can help improve the process. Uh, you know, oftentimes people that are doing the work are addressed by their supervisors as far as quantity on a regular basis. But in many cases, they're seldom addressed for quality. And if a person is having poor quality that day, sometimes that's the last time the 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 supervisor ever bothers with it, meaning that they get fired or reprimanded or something like that as opposed to trying to help them. Uh, so as a contractor or a company inspector, you've got some, you know, you've got some good ability to, to bring the level of knowledge and, and understanding in your company up a little bit. But you've got to realize that not everybody wants to know that stuff, believe it or not. Sometimes you're just happy to pull the trigger on the old MIG gun and going down the road with their, you know, with their happy fire-making selves. But anyway, like I said, the assignment from the last class was to, to read Clause 5, kind of get an idea of some things you'd like to talk about, and be prepared to present them. Like I said, I'd like to have at least five minutes of you talking about them or <clears throat> explaining them to us as a group as to why they're important. No need to do no PowerPoint, but you can if you want to. You know, you can you can have get up on the flip chart. You can, uh, you know... Mark on the walls with the sharpies. I don't care. But anyway, that's kind of that's kind of the topic I want to talk about as far as this most recent class. You know, we're getting down to the last four weeks before everybody's going to take their exam or those that, those that choose to and get registered. Uh, I'd like to say that uh, you know I think everybody's going to pass easily, and that's not the case. You still got a lot of work. I think everybody can pass. But I think that whether you do or don't is going to be based a lot on what you do in between our classes. <clears throat> uh, the majority of the classes from here are out on out are going to be review of things that we've done in the past and going to try to start focusing a little bit more on some hands-on inspection, looking at a you know looking at a code or the book of specifications, and either going to the shop or getting some additional weld replicas, reading some specifications, and getting you guys comfortable using the actual. Uh, hands-on inspection tools. Hopefully, uh, if you have any questions, you'll bring them up to me. Okay, there's a possibility I can help you some. Uh, you know, my goal is for you to be a better welded inspector when you left than when you got here. And hopefully the result of that will also include you getting certified with the CWI exam. You know, you're going to be taking the practical first, and we'll be doing it here. So we're going to focus, you know, going to kind of focus on practical inspection. And we're going to focus on using the book of specifications. There's still a couple of clauses in D1.1 we need to cover. 
Feel free to read ahead for the stud welding, for the repairs, for the tubular connections, and get familiar with those. By now, you should be able to study that code book on your own, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, I don't get many requests during the week for anybody to clarify any statements that they don't understand or terms or anything like that. So that makes me assume you understand what you're reading. Uh, one of the ways that you can kind of build that understanding is, of course, to ask some questions about it or, some, or share some information about it. So don't hesitate to send me a text message or an email, whatever, uh, with some questions you may have or some things that you've found interesting. Anyway, that's it. Y'all have a good day, and we'll see you here in a couple of days in the class. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, you know, going back over the quizzes and answering questions and practicing up. Uh, well, you know, what we did in class last night was uh, go over a book of specifications quiz that you've done before. Uh, but it was timed. It was 38 questions in 30 minutes, which is quite a bit. Uh, you know, there's a lot of thumbing back and forth in the book of specifications to, to find the answers. And I want you to do that. But I also want you to be, you know, be efficient at it. And you've got to figure out what method works for you the best. I don't want you to get in the habit of, uh, of trying to answer the questions off the top of your head. Uh, it, it is going to become easier for you to memorize some of those questions. And I don't want that to happen. I want you to understand the concept and how to look for them. So I would rather you take the time to look up a question and reinforce what you know as far as about how to look for it as opposed to thinking, oh, you know what, I've answered this before, I know what the answer is. The quizzes are there to, to help you move forward a little bit. Okay, they don't have to do with your success, per se, uh, when you get them right, as much as it, it is helping you learn the information. When you start reading the questions, and you know the answer because you've read the question before, then they're probably not helping you as much. Okay, don't even worry about them. I don't care if you get them right or wrong. Then go, go ahead and answer them right, and that way I won't take time in class to go over them. Uh, but realize that that's one that hey, i got to spend a whole lot of time on it. I know the answer uh, because I've got it memorized. But on the ones that you get to that you don't know, don't guess. Look it up. Be confident in what your answer is and, and answer accordingly. You know, as we go forward for these last four weeks, I think everybody needs to spend some time going through all the questions that are both in the online modules and also in the back of the Weld Inspector Technology book and be comfortable with that stuff. Read through different chapters that maybe you had some trouble with in the Weld Inspection Technology book. Go back and revisit the welding symbols. Make sure you've got a good understanding of those. Okay, the, the CWI exam is, you know, it's challenging. It's a long test, you know three segments that are two hours a piece. Uh, you know, you're under pressure to get done. The better you prepare for it, the better you're gonna do. Remember this though, okay? A lot of folks have a lot of pressure from a test. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is for everybody, but I know for me, I, I think about it when I go to take one that no matter how I do, you know, I want it, I want it to reflect what I know. If I fail it, I want it to fail because I didn't know the material. If I pass it, I want it to I want to pass because I knew the material. So I kind of avoid any guessing or anything like that when I'm answering my questions. You know, what I look for when I see a question is, is while I'm reading the question, I know the answer before I look for the choices. Uh, 
bad part about that is sometimes in, in some of the questions that are on the CWI exam, the choices are uh, scenarios where you might have to make multiple decisions. So if you get in a hurry, it's easy to pick the wrong, the wrong answer because you looked for a keyword. <clears throat> but as you, as you go forward studying and preparing, it's about learning the material. It's not about learning what the question is going to be. Because nobody has any idea. I have no idea what's on the CWI exam as far as how the questions are worded. I just make up stuff that, that I think is important for an inspector to know. Uh, you know, you guys were kind of robbed on the metallurgy lesson. Uh, we've got enough to get you through the exam, but if those are the only questions that you miss, you know, that's okay. You, you've got the option to study more on your own. Uh, there's a whole lot of information that can be required to be a welding inspector. And just because you can pass a CWI exam doesn't mean you're going to be a good welding inspector. Yeah, there's, there's more to it than that, in my opinion. There's plenty of people out there that do a good job as inspectors that are not CWIs. And there's some folks out there that are CWIs that, that probably shouldn't be doing the job. Who knows? I may be one of them the latter. But anyway, as you get an opportunity, go to the old quizzes. There's one segment in the Moodle course that is just links to the old to the previous quizzes and take them. You know, I'm hoping some of them will look way different to you now. Uh, kind of like, uh, you know, as we've gone back and reviewed past information before, it looks a little bit easier. Hopefully some of those questions will be easier. And not because you've seen them before, but because we've discussed those concepts multiple times in different scenarios and they're they're built into you a little bit more you know you've got kind of a disadvantage in the fact that you're not cramming a whole bunch of information into your brain fresh in one week uh, to use it on a Saturday of course you've got an advantage you're not cramming a bunch of information into your brain in one week to use it on a Saturday you're spreading out over a period of time and there's retention in between this bill and hopefully it will be something that's a little bit more relaxing for you. When we do the, when the practical exam is done on that Saturday, uh, you know, you'll be given a new book of specifications. You'll be given a book of exhibits that has WPSs in it, has PQRs in it, has welder qualification records in it, uh, has, I think, at least one or two heat treat charts, may have some other stuff in it. And you'll be asked questions about what's in that, what's in that booklet. You'll also be asked questions about what's, uh, what's acceptable and what's not based on some inspections of some plastic weld replicas. Those plastic weld replicas I've showed pictures of before consist of a T-joint with multiple types of welds on there. Uh, there are, uh, there's a pipe sample with multiple welds in it with access to the ID and the OD. Uh, you know, and I don't, I don't know what there is on the test. I just know what they had at the CWI seminar that I went to. But don't get hung up on the fact that, oh, I haven't seen the actual real weld replicas. Well, doesn't matter. You're a welding inspector. Okay, whenever I go to look at a weld, it's one I've never seen before. And so you're supposed to be prepared to look at that weld that you've never seen before using some type of acceptance criteria. Uh, you're fortunate in the fact for the practical that that acceptance criteria is that AWS book of specifications, which is relatively uh, short. Even though it encompasses three different types of industry, you know, with the structural steel, clause two, the pipeline, clause three, and the pressure piping, clause four, it is still easy to navigate, in my opinion. Uh, it can be difficult to memorize things because of the fact that uh, you may get 
things from one clause and fuse with another clause. But like I mentioned before, there are some things that you can memorize. Uh, you know, you can memorize the location of things. There's only, you know, so many pages in that little booklet. Remember where stuff is at. Um, you know, one of the concepts that I mentioned before is, you know, don't look at a table or a chart or a figure without knowing what it was referred from. Keep that in mind. Okay, don't just thumb through and, and, oh, this chart, this table looks like the one that I need and start answering questions off of it. Uh, you know, using the inspection tools, I'm hoping everybody is comfortable with that. We did go through it in detail. And if you didn't tell me, hey, I don't know how to measure these, what these little lines mean on the undercut gauge, you need to tell me. Okay, uh, we use them some in class. And... Nobody mentioned any problems with them, but make sure that you understand how to utilize those. Uh, the high-low gauge we haven't used, like, used yet. I made up some plastic weld replicas that will be able to measure the misalignment uh, on a little plate sample. Kind of get you used to doing that. But that test that day is no different than you going out and doing a weld inspection. You know, hopefully I can give you the book of specifications and a hunk of steel that has some welds on it and a drawing. Say here, this is got to be verified to meet the requirements of the AWS Book of Specifications 2017 Clause 2. And you could go out there and do an inspection, and with the exception of the parts that are not in the Book of Specifications, because it's by no means a complete, a complete document typical of weld inspection. It's got quite a few things that are you know not addressed. But again, your main you know your main goal as a welder inspector is to be comfortable inspecting welds. And it doesn't matter whether they're plastic replicas that are given to you on the day of an exam using a made up book of specifications or whether they're ones that your company, uh, you know, company has made and they have internal requirements. There's always some time involved in getting familiar with the code or the specification before you go out and do an inspection. Because of how we've done our training, you've already you should already have that to a large degree. Uh, we haven't focused a lot on the the, the pipeline or the uh, the pressure piping requirements, and we're gonna we're gonna revisit those, you know, before class or before the before the exam. We kind of stopped at procedure and performance qualification for the most part. If you've got any questions, you've got to ask me. I may not have the answer. There's some other tremendous resources out there online for learning things. If you've got your AWS membership now, okay, I strongly suggest you go check out the AWS member forum. You know, log in, look around, uh, you know, look at some of the posts. If you just do a search up there for prepare for CWI, uh, you'll see a whole lot of different, you know, a whole lot of great responses. Everybody's got a kind of different idea. My ideas are not necessarily the best ones for you. So any other, any additional information that kind of stimulates your brain thinking about the concept can help some, but don't get too hung up on the, the exam part of it. You know, it's it's not a it's not a big deal. The big deal is is when we get done with this class and you're assigned a task to go inspect a weld that you can, you know, that you you understand the concept about reviewing the requirements, observing the conditions, reporting them. Uh, you know, all those things are important. Know what you know, know what you don't know. Be prepared to ask questions if you have to. Don't hesitate to take time to study the requirements before you do an inspection. Uh, don't hesitate to ask, ask the person or the organization that's requesting you do the inspection 
for more information as far as requirements go if they're not sufficient. Anyway, so that's that's it. I just kind of want to talk about that. That was one of the concepts we, we talked about last night was uh, going back and revisiting the quizzes and practicing up on the questions, preparing for the exam. Uh, if you prepare good to be a good well inspector, uh, you should be pretty well prepared for the exam to where you're not just blown away. Again, it's, it's intimidating because of the, you know, the time limit and everybody's there. It's kind of a new environment. But just, you know, just do what you think is right. And that's all you can do. Okay. Anyway, got any questions, holler at me. I'll, I'll see you here in a, in a couple nights. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, everybody. Going to talk a little bit about some things to remember. Again, you know, and I mentioned it briefly last night in class, you know, we don't need to memorize the requirements of the code, but there are some things that are good to know off the top of your head. Uh, so the first thing we can talk about is the book specifications. Uh, clause 1, general requirements. Clause 2, it's the structure of steel. Clause 3, it's pipeline. Clause four, pressure piping. Clause five is procedure qualification. Clause six is performance qualification. Some other things to remember is for procedure qualification requirements, uh, the acceptance criteria for the procedure qualification requirements may differ depending on the category, whether it be Clause 2 items, Clause 3 items, or Clause 4 items. So you need to make sure that you're familiar with where that information is at. The visual acceptance criteria for porosity, for instance, is going to be in the clause that applies to the procedure qualification. The acceptance criteria for the bend test is going to be in the clause for procedure qualification, but it is going to be broken up by the application. So that's something that you can kind of know off the top of your head to just be familiar with or have in the back of your mind whenever you have a have a question that's based on uh, procedure qualification, for instance, in the book specifications. You know, they, they, another thing that's easy to remember is that arc strikes or arc burns, depending on which clause you're talking about, are rejectable in all cases. Okay, each, each individual clause, and go back and verify and make sure I'm not making something up off the top of my head as I'm navigating a Subaru up the highway. But that information could be helpful. It could be, it could save you just a few seconds answering a question. Again, I'm, you know, I don't advocate memorizing what a code says. But there are some things that you can remember if you got room in your brain for them. Uh, you know, on D1.1, Clause 1, General. Clause 2, Design. Clause 3, Pre-qualification. Clause 4, Qualification. Clause 5, which we talked about last night, Fabrication. Clause 6, Inspection. Clause 7, Stud wells, clause eight, repairs, clause nine, tubular structures. 
Okay, those are things that you can kind of get familiar with just so you can navigate the code quicker. Or you can put some big old honking tabs on the top of that $500 book that you can tear off accidentally when you stuff it in a bag and divide it up that way. But uh, having that stand in the car is where the information is at can be helpful. Uh, I do strongly suggest on, on the D1.1 code book that you go through those different tables and figures and when it refers when a when a paragraph refers to a table or a figure go to that table or figure and look at it but also go back to the referring paragraph go ahead and write the page number in there and that can help you jump to it a little bit quicker without having to stick a bunch of tabs on there and look through the tabs you just thump through the book and you see as the numbers get bigger you're getting closer to what you need or smaller depending on which direction you're going but uh <clears throat> You know, navigating your code book off the top of your head can be helpful a little bit. Uh, you know, knowing which table applies to what can be a little bit helpful. You know, knowing that table 6.1 is the visual acceptance criteria for production wells for the most part. But that <clears throat> profile refine, you know, those are things you can know off the top of your head. Uh, knowing where to find the information is key. You know, that really is the biggest part, you know. So having that understanding about the difference between procedure qualification, performance qualification, cost for, realizing that some of those tables and graphics may look very similar, but some of them may apply to performance only, some of them may provide or apply to procedure qualification only, that's good to know. Uh, knowing that the visual acceptance criteria for welder performance qualification tests is actually addressed in I think 4.9.3.1, which is for procedure qualification, can save you a step. Just you know, just knowing that that that's the case can save you a step of looking it up and browsing through the performance qualification stuff, trying to figure out what's visually acceptable on welder performance qualification tests. When you just know, hey, I can go to the procedure qualification requirements for uh, for performance qualification acceptance criteria. Good to know. Okay. It doesn't have to be memorized. You can get through that stuff by good old tabs and indexing and stuff like that. But again, there are things that you can know, and if you know them with confidence, then do them. Okay. So just be aware, be aware that sometimes our confidence can, can mess us up. You know, know what you know, know what you don't know. Uh, you know, if I was taking CWI exam day, I've been, I've been one since 90, you know, I'm not going to score. I'm not going to score 100% because I'm the all-knowing, all-experienced CWI. Uh, you know, because there'll probably be some things I think I know that I will take for granted and answer and move on. I may mean, get done with the test pretty quick, but I may not perform as well as I could. So, you know, kind of, kind of take that, take that into thought. I guess as you prepare, we all got to prepare in our own way. But I think that there's some things that you can know about the, about the requirements. That can help you without getting you confused. Okay. <clears throat> be aware of the again. Be aware of the table headings, but then again, like I said, in Table Six Point One. Be aware of the application. You know, statically loaded, cyclically loaded, non-tubular, that type of stuff. Uh, lining up those columns with those rows on that little table can make or break you sometimes. So. You know, that's, a, that's just some general things to think about as, as you prepare going forward uh, as a welding inspector. 
there are some things that you can remember about written specifications. Be careful about quoting them to people or telling them their requirement without having the code book available to back you up. Uh, you know, if you go out to do inspections, if you're doing an inspection in the shop, make sure you have a code book. And don't, don't go off of, hey, well, I remember this from the welding inspection class. This is what this says, because more than likely some of that information is going to fade from your brain, uh, you know, after you leave this class. You know, the, the, the training process for being a good welding inspector is just now starting for you. It doesn't end. Okay. Uh, if you if you get if you're blessed with the opportunity to work in it and you enjoy it, it's a it's a lifelong learning experience. You know, read whatever information you can for the things that you're interested in, and you know, keep on keeping on. Uh, if you're just doing this because hey, I need to get a raise and I need a better position in the company, and this seems like an easy way to do it, I'm sorry. Okay, you probably. Well, I'm just sorry. Uh, you know, there's there's different ways that we're driven to learn things, and, and there'll be people that will be successful, per se, in passing the test, to, that really we're just looking for another resume item. And, you know, that's okay. We're all different. <clears throat> but sometimes that's reflected in uh, the amount of effort that you put into it and how you continue with it once it's over. Okay, I've been studying this stuff since I was 15 years old. Uh, you know, I've been interested in, in melting stuff and sticking it together and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, so it's been easy for me. Uh, doesn't mean I'm, you know, I'm all that great at it, but I've really, really enjoyed it. If it's something that you're interested in, spend time with it. You know, look up, look up things, read things, discuss it with other people whenever they get offered, whenever, you, you know, whenever they ask you a question. Anyway, just a few rambling thoughts about about last night's class and using the code book, that kind of stuff. Hey everybody, I want to talk to you a little bit about some you know some other sources for studying. You know, this is the first class that I've taught, and there's a, a very high likelihood that I'm not the most efficient teacher uh, at preparing you for a CWI exam. Okay, I'm hoping that what I've done is help you become a little bit more comfortable on learning on your own for the for the rest of your career. Uh, that concept of knowing what you know, knowing what you don't know, hopefully you understand that a little bit. Maybe you're less likely to, to spread some welding wives' tales in your career. But there's tons of other resources that are out there, especially with the you know, with the good old internet, that can allow you to learn some things on your own. Uh, you know, one of the ones that I've looked at briefly uh, is the Atlas API. Seems pretty straightforward and down and dirty as far as uh, giving you some information about the exam. I don't really know about teaching you to be a welding inspector, but as far as the exam itself, seems like some pretty good, you know, some pretty good information that could help reinforce what you've learned so far. Uh, Another option, of course, is just reading on your own. The AWS Welding Handbook that you've got, to me, is a tremendous wealth of knowledge. Okay. Maybe a little dry for some to read, but it is a tremendous amount of, of, of information that's in there, and it's from an extremely reputable source. You know, the American Welding Society 
doesn't just uh, publish things like we can do on the internet. You know, peer reviewed before they ever get published. That can kind of help with that accuracy. So that's a that's a good resource. The AWS online learning modules that we supply to you are extremely informative. Uh, they are a little slow to get through, but if you've got time and you can play them while you're driving, to me it's a pretty good deal. Okay, uh, I think we we paid a couple hundred dollars per seat for each one of you, so I kind of wish they'd got used more. But I also realized that they do take some time to get through. But there are, you know, there's other other courses out there that are available. The like I said, the Atlas API is nice in the fact that uh, you know it comes with some audio flashcards, can be played off any device, that kind of stuff. Uh, seems to have a pretty good, pretty good cost on it, and it seems like he's got a, you know, a pretty good deal. I think the the full course for them was seven ninety nine. If you get a replica set, you know, it costs a little bit extra. But it may be worth looking into. I think you can just purchase uh, partial modules. And, you know, their Part B practical lesson has, has about seven lessons in it. Talks about the, you know, different requirements within the book of specifications. So it may be something that would really, you know, reinforce what you've learned already. Uh, See if I think of another one. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't really think of those. Are those are the ones that come to my head? Uh, I don't think Hobart's got anything online. They've got a face-to-face -face course. Lincoln, you know, Lincoln. I think has one that's face-to-face. Uh, there is a company called SCI or SCI Search, I think. SI Search. They have training modules for CWI and uh, International Code Council inspectors, which International Code Council is the International Building Code. Uh, has some requirements for different types of building codes including structural steel, but it also includes masonry, fireproofing, a lot of other different things. Uh, they can be pretty, you know, pretty informative, it looks like, just by looking at the individual part. Like they have a CWI Part B that's 80 hours of online training and includes some weld replicas, that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's, there's some other resources as you move forward. Uh, if you're not successful in the CWI exam, it doesn't mean you're not knowledgeable about the subject matter, okay? Uh, I think your success is kind of based on how well I've, I've presented the material and, and motivated you to, uh, to study some on your own, more so than it is the, uh, the class time we spend together. You know, I'm hoping the class time we spend together is that part that kind of keeps you going. Anyway, just thought I'd throw those thoughts out there. Hey everybody, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about last night's class. Good old welding inspection in general. Uh, you know, we went over the, the Clause 5 and 6 uh, Moodle quiz last night. And uh, hopefully 
you know, I know I know everybody's seen the questions and the answers before, but I'm hoping that going over them and kind of going through the process of how we found them helped you, even though you got the question right. You know, it's not really about learning what the answers are to everything as much as it's learning how to find the answers. Knowing that it's probably in the code book, it's not just about taking a test. In real life, you're going to have to make decisions about what the code says and doesn't say. Uh, or you're going to have to get some help on it, one or the other. Uh, being familiar with the code, how it's laid out, again, I've stressed it before, is very important. Okay? It can save you some time just knowing what clause is where. In the beginning, that's very, very, uh, you know, seems like a maybe even a difficult task. Every time I just give you a quick question of what clause is pre-qualification in, you may have to think. But hopefully when I just said it right now, everybody thought in their head, three. Okay. There's a lot of information in the code book. I don't expect you to learn it all. Uh, I make mistakes on it all the time. You know, we, we had the mess up last night about the footnote for the qualification range using job size pipes versus standard pipe test. Um, you know, I never actually looked in the table to see that there was a standard size pipe test. Matter of fact, the term standard size pipe is only used in those specific tables. It's not mentioned anywhere else in the, uh, <clears throat> in the uh, D1.1. Job size pipe is. But anyway, uh, as you go forward, you know, getting familiar with how the code book is laid out, as you get more comfortable with the terminology, it's easier to learn that. You know, we're using some terms and we're reading some terms that are not common to you or weren't common to you a few months ago. As they become a little bit stronger in your in your knowledge, it makes it where when you read something you can put it in context much quicker. So keep on you know, keep on reading through the code book. Pay attention to the to the paragraph headings and what what parent a specific paragraph may have. Make sure you've got everything in the right context. Uh, scanning through the code book is actually kind of easy. I'm hoping that the exercises last night helped you a little bit or me talking about what I did. It's looking at those, those bold-faced headings, trying to find something that is in the context of what my question is, be it a question on a quiz or a question in real life. Okay, I've got to get to the right clause and I've got to get to the right, <coughs> right paragraph. And I can scan through them pretty quickly when I know that it's just going to be something that I need in the know in the clause for pre-qualification or if I know that it's just for uh, you know gas requirements for production so having that ability to to look through it quickly is important but you don't have to memorize it there are going to be a few things that you can memorize uh, you know be aware of those when you memorize them they may get jumbled up by stuff that you learn in a in a code later <clears throat> How often you think about them is going to have a big, big effect on how long they last in your brain. Uh, you know, before they start to get a little bit confused with some other things. But memorizing, like I said, the, the code clauses and what they are is good. You know, understand that there's a difference between production acceptance criteria and acceptance criteria for qualification. Phone's ringing again. <laughs>